Welcome back to Decadorks. We're the 12 sided guys. We have Scott as Ornan. At your service. Sabrina as Sylvie. Oh, hello. Jordan as Magrim. You are most welcome. Matt as Guy. That is my name. Don't wear it out. And me, Paul, as the guy who accidentally cast Zone of Truth on himself right before we started recording, and I failed my saving throw because obviously charisma is my dump stat. I mean, come on, you all know it. You listen to me every week. But here goes nothing. I hope it's funny, but I actually prefer the groans of everyone when I tell a really bad joke. We have a Patreon where you can help support us and you get some bonus content in return. So check that out at patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. And ratings and reviews are always appreciated unless they're bad reviews, in which case I'd rather you just shut your yapper. Come and hang with us on Discord. Just shut your pie hole. <laughs> Come and hang with us on Discord. And don't forget, you can check out our shop at 12sidedguys.com for all of your dodecadork drip. I say drip because it's what's in the current vernacular, but I prefer dodecadork duds. I only use drips that I can sound and feel younger. Aging terrifies me. Every day my hair gets thinner and the creases in my forehead become deeper. I think to myself, did my dad ever feel this tired at my age? What have I done with my life? Will I even be remembered when I'm gone? At least this podcast will be my legacy as long as someone keeps paying the fees to keep it on the internet. And that's another thing. I have no idea how hosting works or purchasing domains. None of it. I listen to Matt talk about the technical side of running this podcast and I just nod and say, "Uh uh-huh, yep, but I have no idea what's going on. And now I'm getting a text, which I will read right now. Oh, it's from Scott. He says Zone of Truth doesn't work in the real world and I should probably stop saying every random thought that comes into my mind because I am not under the effects of Zone of Truth. (laughs) Touche. Anyway, if your mind was blown when you learned the truth that Faye was id and Welltall was the red gear, then this podcast is for you. It's Chorus of the Forsaken, Episode 3. Welcome back to um, the forest outside of Barograd. Last time we were together, we met our four player characters. We met Sylvie, the forest gnome who um, plays the flute not very well, but then likes to do minor illusion to make it sound much better. We have Guy, the... Um, the, um, the boy toy? <laughs> the boy toy. Okay, you can say you can say boy toy. Yeah, um, the boy toy of the um, the rich widow in town. We have Magrim, who uh, is a traveling uh, healer of sorts, and we have Ornin, who is the deep gnome who uh, helps run the the tavern in the all the way in in the town of Baragrad. <laughs> As you guys yep, all look up, way back there. <laughs> oh my god. First off, the three, um, Sylvie and Magrim and Ornan, all met up for breakfast there at the All the Way Inn before uh, Guy showed up. Guy actually was pulled aside by his... Um, his mistress in his more ways than okay. one. <laughs> to, um, to help her out by going out along the road and meeting a caravan that was coming into town with her, uh, with her estranged son with this letter talking about how he was so excited to come and see his mother and he misses her and he loves her and he can't wait to see his childhood home. 
it seems that Nelira, this mistress of Gi, was a little bit wary of why her son Kelden might actually be coming back to Beragrad. Gi then went back to the All the Way Inn for some breakfast of his own, and they got to talking. A few of the Inquisitors of Aeona, the Lamplighters, as they are known uh, colloquially, <laughs> that's a hard word to say, um, <laughs> colloquially, as they came in to get their breakfast, uh, the tension in the room uh, was palpable uh, in more ways than one with all of our characters. Uh, but after some conversation, Guy managed to talk the other three into accompanying him on the road to go meet this caravan and help bring Calden Silvercrest back into town safely. As they were walking along the road, some conversation was had. They realized they all shared the same dream the night before and some theories some questions arose but they finally after um, almost twice actually twice as long as they expected they came upon the caravan that had gotten into some trouble as they avoided a downed tree in the road and got one of the carriages stuck it was already so late that now our party has decided to um, bed down for the night right on the north side of the road here in this pine and uh, fir forest around this dirt road. Mud puddles and little ponds have shown up here because of all the rain lately and there is a darkness. If you ever slept out in the forest with no lights except for your campfire, that is what they are experiencing right now except for a few little lanterns on some of the carriages. And that's where we're going to start right now. We are all gathered around the fire. We have Sylvie and Magram and Ornan, as well as Guy. Um, and then we also have the two drivers of the carriages. We have the uh, large, robust, uh, sort of jovial man, Gideon, uh, who seems to be the, the leader of the caravan. And then we have Ryla, this, uh, this young woman with uh, a silvery white hair and a stern expression. Hasn't said much, but they both look like they, they can hold their own. We also have Calvin Silvercrest, this probably 26-year-old man with, uh, he's thin, thinly built. He's dressed nicely. Um, he's got long uh, black hair that is the same color as his mother, Nalira, the mistress of Gi. You also have um, a middle-aged man with a white beard and sort of hair that's going to white. Um, he looks broad and large, but it looks like he does not labor for a living. He's wearing very nice clothing. Uh, or Sorry, he's wearing well-made clothing, not necessarily a noble or anything like that, but yeah. definitely... He's not wearing a tux. He's wearing dickies. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. And then there are also these, uh, the, this dwarven man and then this other woman who seem to be traveling together. And rounding out the group, we have two guards who seem to want to stay close to this middle-aged man. Uh, the one who um, is dressed in uh, the the well-made clothing. You can smell the scent of rain kind of right on the cusp of starting to fall. Uh, good evening, everyone. I hope that your travels have not been overly burdensome, although by the sign of your wagon, it would appear that it has been rather difficult. The middle-aged man, the one who's well-dressed, the one who has the guards with him. Um, he kind of <sniffs> taken longer than it should, but at least we'll be there tomorrow. You're in a rush to get to Baragrad? There's not much there. There better be something there. Otherwise, there might be some trouble. 
<laughs> Never mind. I've spoken too much. You can see that he's got a little flask that he keeps taking sips of. Um, it seems that he may be slightly inebriated. Well, perhaps you could uh, regale us with tales of and uh, news from from outside of Barograd, because we have been there for a little bit of time, and it would be good to to hear what is happening in the world. Oh, not much. I I spend most of my time in Redlam, and I don't like having to travel out here to the sticks, especially on this kind of business. And what particularly is this kind of business? He says, I work for the Baron. Ah, I see. I don't see. I don't know what that means, but... (laughs) I don't think I would know who the Baron is. The kingdom of Via Severia is uh, set up with a king, and then there are eight baronies that are each ruled over by uh, a baron that you can call them either baron so-and-so or you can call them lord so-and-so, but they're all barons. And um, and then under the barons, you would have knights and other vassals. It's a classic fuel system. Barograd is ruled over by a knight. Um, his name is Sir Roland. Um, he's the vassal to the baron. And it looks like this middle-aged man is on his way to Barograd. Uh on uh, business from the Baron, which you guys don't need to make any kind of role for that. You you can if you want more insight, but you know that that's probably not a good thing for whoever's in charge of Baragrad. So that's probably not a good thing for Sir Roland. Uh, and in our experience, is Sir Roland a, a decent governor of Baragrad? You, you don't hear any complaints about Sir Roland at all. Kind of like we don't hear anything about him at all. So like no news is good news. I mean, no, well, I mean, the rumors that you would have heard, I mean, you guys can each make a history check if you want to know more, but the rumors that you would know right off the bat is that he is a widow, he has no children, he has lived in Barograd and run, um, the, uh, it's called Grimley Castle, he has kind of run the estate there for decades at this point. Um, he just seems to be a solid guy. That's all I would know, because I rolled a two on my history. <laughs> yeah, same with Ornan, I got a six. You probably stopped paying attention. Uh... Sylvia rolled a 17. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and Mockram got a nat 20 for a 24. I love getting nat 20s for low stakes rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I imagine you guys would know. I mean, it seems like Guy, it would make sense that you might not pay attention to all that kind of stuff. Um, Ornan, you've just been here for so long um, that you don't go digging for more info. You're just kind of minding your own business and, and, and yeah, you know. Uh, keeping your nose clean. Um, whereas Magram and Sylvie, you guys are new in town, so you guys are kind of trying to pick up what's going on, kind of, you know, finding rumors and that kind of thing. You're kind of trying to figure out what the feel is in Barograd. And um, so, uh, Sylvie, with your 17, you can tell that the castle is run down. Um, you also know that um, there are fewer and fewer servants and guards um, that are patrolling Grimley Castle. It seems that the knight Sir Roland is uh, the rumors you've heard he doesn't care to keep the castle up anymore or he can't afford to um, with your 24 Victor you would know that you, you've picked up a lot of information you know that Sir Roland um, literally only has four guards left that um, patrol the whole castle the castle is empty um, you also heard rumors um, because as you recall the steward of the castle was there in the tavern uh, like he's been sleeping at the all the way in instead of in the castle like he normally would you've heard rumors that the steward is afraid at night that there are might be rumors that maybe the castle is haunted 
um, and that um, the steward doesn't like to be there. But regardless, you know, that the castle is, it's not a huge castle, but for the amount of people living there, it is cavernous. He seems to be um, on the up and up. He seems to care about Beragrad, um, but he is not like in your face about anything. He leaves the castle occasionally to come into town, but it seems that the older he gets, the more and more he likes to just stay in and stay comfortable in the castle. Got it. I think Malgram will maybe try to leverage some of that understanding in this conversation with this individual and will kind of hint that he understands a little bit of the situation by saying, oh, I can understand why the, um, why the, the Baron would take interest in this. There's, it would appear much that is unsettled for Sir Roland and uh, perhaps that is a risk that the Baron does not wish to, uh, to see uh, made more profound and difficult. Yes, the, the castle did seem a bit, uh, well, underwhelming, to be honest. Could use a bit of upkeep. <laughs> well, he better not be using his taxes for the upkeep of that castle. Then he takes another sip. And he's like, I, I, I've said too much. Forgive me, I'm in my drinks. I think maybe I'll retire for the night. Malgram will, like, raise his own little hip flask that he pulls out and kind of hold it up like a little cheers kind of thing and then take his own sip. Okay. He stands up and then he kind of looks at you doing the cheers and then he kind of sits back down and says, well, maybe maybe a little longer. Guy, you are sitting next to Calden Silvercrest, this young man who um, is the son of your mistress. He's like, so tell me, Guy, how fares my mother? Oh, she's, um... She's doing. She's doing quite well. She's in good form. She's healthy. She's fit. <laughs> she's spry. She's, she's adventurous. Spry. She's experimental. She's actually. What was that? Too much? Did we go too far? Uh, she's well. She's well. Um, mm. uh, and uh, just as a as a reminder, like this is not this kind of mission is not something that she would ever have asked Guy to do. This is not part of their understanding. Yeah, not at all. But Guy knows, you know, which side his bread is buttered on. Is that the expression? Sure. Yeah. Guy knows about bread and butter and stuff. Um, <laughs> so he's, he's, he figures he, he does this, but he also kind of sees this as potentially a slippery slope where he becomes kind of a, a manservant, which at this point he kind of feels above the servants in the house. And the servants notice that too, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll just say, if she's well, she's excited to see you. In fact, it's been, what, at least 10 years to my understanding since you've left. It's like, oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes, it's been, it's been quite some time I left. Gosh, I was... He doesn't say gosh, sorry. <laughs> Golly, I was 60. <laughs> Jeez, Lou. He's, yes. He says, oh, gods, I was 16 when I left. Out to make my way in the world, and here I am coming back. I've done all right for myself. But tell me, she was actually excited to hear from me. That's that's great news. I feared that maybe she would um, resent me leaving her alone here in Beregrad. Oh, I don't think she's been alone. <laughs> she has a house full of people who care for her. Um, but, uh, I mean, you are her flesh and blood. You said you made your way in the world and you've done all right for yourself. Do you, do, do you mind if I ask what business you're in? 
I've been uh, doing imports from uh, the Asteria Islands. You guys would know that Via Severia is a country that is surrounded on the north, the east, and the west side by mountains. And then there is a sea to the south of it. There's also a mountain range that cuts through the middle going from east to west uh, with a, a valley that goes down between those mountains in some places. But the Asteria Islands is an archipelago uh, that is down in the southern sea uh, that is uh, known for things like spices and trade and and uh, that kind of mercantile uh, they're very very into trade and into shipping and so uh, for him to say that he's been working on importing things from Asteria uh, means he's probably been down uh, south uh, in the southern part of the country and you're coming from so would it make sense then he's coming from Redlam if that was the case, yeah, he would probably come from Redlam because that's that's the the main road to get to Berigrad. You'd go through Redlam, yeah. Right. Okay. So that's not throwing off any like warning flags. Uh, no. Okay. All right. What brings you back to Berigrad? Sorry, I'm being bold here. No, it's it's fine. I, I you know I I grew up here. I, I spent my my youth here. It's it's my home. I. I miss it. I'd, I'd like to come and, and, and see how my mother is doing. I haven't seen her for so long. And, and then see how, see how things are. See if some of my old friends are still here. Um, just, I, I had some money set aside and I decided I'd, I'd use it and travel. Do, do you think you'll stay for good this time, sir? For good? Um, no, 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 no. No, this is a, this will be a quick trip, but, um, but a necessary one. I'm, I'm listening for ulterior motives. Gotcha. Why don't you make a, an insight or a perception check? Uh, that's only a seven perception. Man, Nalira sent the right guy on this mission. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything that he's saying makes perfect sense to you. I mean, you've traveled the world, and so uh, or the yeah. country at least, and so, yeah, I mean, th- this kind of story sounds, you know, it sounds very believable. Yeah, ten years, like, this guy must have really liked high school because he's going to his ten-year reunion. That <laughs> makes perfect sense. <laughs> He's got to go peacock to all the other kids. Like, look at me. I'm, I'm in imports and exports. <laughs> I right. invented post-its. <laughs> awesome. All right. What is the arrangement for watches in the night? Uh, Gideon says, oh, you don't worry about that. Uh, we got Ryla and I. We'll, we'll keep our watch. And then uh, Tobias is offered to have his, his help uh, keep watch as well. So the rest of us should be able to get a good night's sleep. Um, when he when he says Tobias, he points to that middle-aged man, the one who works for the Baron, uh, the one who mentioned uh, the taxes. And he has the two guards that he's basically volunteering to keep watch, I'm yes. assuming. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, you get the impression that maybe Gideon is volunteering the guards and, and then Tobias is not uh, not necessarily arguing against it uh, but you also get the the impression that tobias is uh, a little bit drunk okay and uh well Guy will say and i know he doesn't look it but actually um this this here's principal and he's a very good watchdog so um <laughs> every time you mention principal i'm gonna do i'm gonna do you know a other podcasts sound. other podcasts have like um what's his name uh papa and they have like caca. <laughs> yeah, and they have other animals and stuff. But I gotta start doing. I gotta start up in my game. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> it's okay. pretty good. It's pretty good. It's fine. <laughs> and the horses are all, nay. And the baby goes, goo. <laughs> Actually, I watched that clip again, and it was, the kid is like, wah. <laughs> but still. Uh, okay. Uh. All right. So um, uh, the dwarven man and then Evangeline Lily, they kind of both, um, they, they lay out. They start uh, getting settled in for the night. Uh, but anybody else who wants to stay up and talk for longer can. Um, you see that Ryla starts, uh, she goes over and sits on one of the carriages, that first carriage, the one that they just got out of the mud. And she kind of turns the lantern up a little bit uh, and sets it up on a pole so that it lights the area even more. Guy will try to get his rest over with uh, sooner rather than later. So like the first four hours, he will take off his armor and kind of get settled. He doesn't need a bedroll. He likes them. Um, he's not like... When I say trance, it's not like he's sitting in like a yoga position for four hours. He lays down, um, but he's just kind of, it's almost like when you lay in bed and you daydream. That's that's kind of what his trance is. Still awake, um, but not moving and not paying attention to what's going on around. Mm-hmm. Ornan is pulling out his brewer's supplies from his uh, backpack, and he's just making sure that his uh, reserves of alcohol are in good shape and he's got everything he needs. Yeah. Um, you also but did you that... bring an entire still? <laughs> well, the rest of the still is is a little deeper down there, and you can see the bulge of it on the lower right hand side. It's a small still, but it works. I don't need much alcohol, but just a little every day. <laughs> <laughs> you can see also the supplies that Gemma was talking about are on this back wagon, this back carriage. Um, there's a big box, and it's marked turnips and potatoes or something like that. Yummy. <laughs> All right, Tobias actually starts getting kind of interested in what you are, uh, what you're doing with your brewery kit. Um, Sylvie and uh, Margaret, what are you guys doing? I think Sylvie would roll out her mat and uh, try to get some some sleep pretty early on. I don't think that she really feels comfortable with these people. Yeah, Margaret would find a place kind of off to the side, not too far away from everybody, but you know, not right in the midst. And he would set up his pack and kind of lay on the ground on his mat, kind of leaning up against his pack and would be uh, scribbling some notes in a small leather clad notebook that he has. Yeah, Sylvie definitely wants to be close enough to hear things too, like kind of to listen in for the next few hours, but pretend to be sleeping. And Prancival is curled up with you, but he's like not sleeping. He's every once in a while, he'll lift his head up and look around and smile and stuff. Well, the dwarf man and the elf and the, uh, Evangeline Lilly, they um the random woman, they go off and they're they're kind of they're they're still close to the fire. They're they're like ten feet away from the fire, um so they're still in the fire light. Um, but uh, Magram, you are uh, kind of uh, approaching the edge of the firelight. Guy is resting. Sylvie is laying down. Magram goes to lay down. Ornan, where are you going? Uh, I'm just at the the stump with all the my supplies. Just oh, gotcha. Brewing some some mead. Okay. I think Tobias comes over and watches you for a while, and his guard follows. Um, she is um, wearing chain, like a chain shirt. She's got a shield strapped to her back, and she's got a spear in her hand. Um, you are on the, um, you are also approaching kind of the edge of the of the firelight, but it doesn't bother you as much because you can see. Um, but Tobias is watching you intently, and the guard is kind of she is she is watching in the woods. Uh, kind of jumping at every shadow, every little creak of, of trees and that kind of thing. Dude, do you guys remember Watcher in the Woods, that Disney movie that freaked us out when we were kids? 
Narek. That's oh, the puppy's yeah. name. Narek. <laughs> it's got the best alternate ending ever, though. Have you guys ever seen it? No, no I didn't know there was Because the real ending was terrible. I am an alien. <laughs> I got stuck here in a bell. Yeah, now, now imagine that they actually show the alien and go to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Glorious. Oh, it's oh, so oh, glorious. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Oh, I got to look that up. All right. Um, I think Tobias watches you um, as you're working for a while, and I don't know anything about distilling alcohol. How long would it take for you to have something for him to try? It would take so long. Like, okay. days. <laughs> okay, so you're just working on some stuff, and he's like, uh, that looks interesting. Do you have, like, a sample I might be able to try? Um, I, I could probably fish something out. My specialty uh, over at the All the Way Inn is the mycelium mead. Um, if you're interested, I might be able to share a little bit. Mycelium mead? Like, like mushrooms, you say? Well, mushrooms? of course. I'm from deep underground, uh, we live off of mostly mushrooms. In fact, I'm I'm a vegetarian too, so we we keep to a strict diet. Anyway, here's the mead, and um, Ornan will pour off a like a small like like not like not even like like half of a shot basically. Gotcha. He downs it and he likes it. He's like, oh, that's quite so. The all the way in your time. So now you're not pulling my leg, right? That's that's the actual name. The all the way in. Well, of course, that's the actual name. I mean, if I'm trying to make some money, I, I've got to get you to the right location. He claps you on the shoulder and laughs so loud. Oh, ah, ah. oh so clever. You gnomes are so clever. All right. Well, I will make sure to stop in and try some more. That's delicious. And then um, he watches you. You guys chat for a little bit longer. And then he is going to head back up towards the... Um, towards the campfire to get some sleep unless there's anything you wanted to talk to him about specifically. No. Um, I'm working on this mostly to stay awake for the first couple of hours and then my plan is to wake somebody else up at second watch without it looking like I'm doing the first watch. Perfect. Okay. Um, uh, and um, Guy, you notice that Calvin uh, beds down close to you. Um, just kind of staying close. He kind of chats with you a little bit um, as you are settling in for the night. It turns out we both graduated the same year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. From rival schools. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, you see that there are um, a couple of people now who are walking around with torches and making sure that, 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 this, that this night is lit up. Um, the guard is walking around with a torch. Um, the other guard is staying close to Tobias. Um, and um, night starts to creep in. People stop talking and they start sleeping. Um... A couple of hours go by. Ornan, you know that if you don't get some sleep soon that you are going to be pretty tired. So who are you going to wake up? Um, Ornan will wake up Guy. Two more hours. <laughs> Two more? When? What? 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 Oh, uh. um, I just feel better if, if I know someone that is doing the watch. And you, you mentioned watches before we went to, to bed, so I, I figured you might be the right one to ask. Honestly... If you could uh, have Margram cover the next two hours, I can cover the rest of the night. Sounds like a plan. And Ornan will walk over to Margram. Yes, is it my turn? Uh, yes, it is your turn. Um, our dear friend Guy over there, he says that in two hours he can be up for the rest of the night. 
I'll need quite a few more than two, but um, if you can cover the distance, I think we'll be set. It is well. I shall take care of this thing. Thank you, Ornan. Of course. Sylvie pipes up as Ormond's walking past her, and she says, I, I can see really well in the dark if, if you need any help, just, just to let you know. I'm sure that will come in plenty handy. Why don't you get your rest, little miss, and, and we'll be on our way first thing in the morning. Since all of you were awake for a little bit of time at least, I want passive perceptions. Guy's passive perception is 13. Ogrim's is 13. And Prancival's is also 13. Aww. But he has advantage on uh, hearing and smells. Ordnance is 10. Perception, sorry, perception is 10. Okay. Um, Magrim, you and Guy, you hear the horses, which are kind of a little bit further to the the east. They're, they're, uh, they're tied up uh, amongst the trees, uh, sort of in between where the, where the carriages are. Um, you can hear um, some snorting and some pawing at the ground, which is not unusual, except for you'd expect them to be asleep. Um, and um, I imagine, uh, what's Prancifuls? Prancifuls is like a 13? It's a 13, but again, he has advantage on perception checks that involve hearing and smells. Um, Prancifuls kind of sits up and starts sniffing around, sniffing the air. Uh I'll I, I will get up and I'll head over to Sylvie, which is where Principal is at. Okay. What do you smell, boy? And I think technically, um surprise, surprise, I can see through his eyes and hear through his ears. Because he's a familiar. <laughs> I don't think anybody else realizes that uh, at this moment. Principal puts his ears back. And what you see through his eyes, so you are looking through his eyes then. Yeah, I mean, so I can I can communicate telepathically, but I can also use an action to to see through eyes and or hear through ears. You see him looking in the direction of the horses. Then he'll kind of look north and look south, but then he gazes back at the horses. And you get the telepathic link. You get the impression that um, there's something not right, but you also get this impression of confusion of like. Something's not right, but I don't know what it is. All right, I'm going to get up then, and I'm going to kind of nudge Sylvie as I am, as I'm getting up, and I'll say, get Margram. We need to check on the horses. Sylvie will uh, get up and uh, kind of follow them over to the horses. Ornan, I think, is still awake at this point, and, and Margram is awake too. I'll send Prancival, again, communicating telepathically, to go lick their faces if they're laying down. <laughs> awesome. Amazing. Are we saying that this is happening during Guy's watch? Well, this is all when this is all happening when when Ornan went and woke up Guy, and then Ornan came over and woke you up, and then Sylvie was already awake. So you guys are all kind of awake at this point. Nobody's like back totally asleep. Got it. I'll see that you know Guy had sent his dog to kind of check on us, and so I'll walk over to see what's going on. You guys are going to go start checking out the horses. Yeah, what's the situation with the other members of the watch? Because they were supposed to be watching all night long. Yeah, so actually, I was just going to explain that. So it looks like at this point in the night, Gideon, the uh, the the broad, jovial uh, carriage driver, is sort of off to the west on the road, walking, walking back and forth. 
and um, the uh, the guard who was with Tobias, uh, she's now walking more on the east side of the road. They both have torches, so they're lighting up some of the area, uh, so it's not quite as dark. Um, but it does cast a lot of shadows, um, and they're just walking along the road. They don't seem to uh, notice anything uh, is out of the ordinary. I think as you guys start walking towards the horses, Gideon kind of glances back over at you guys, sees you guys moving towards the horses, and then he kind of nods, and then he kind of keeps walking around. And he's kind of making a circle uh, around the sleeping figures, and um, the guard is staying definitely closer to uh, the wagons. What, what exactly are we looking for? Yeah, I think Mogram's going to pull his plague mask around in front and put it on, and which is my reflavoring of Detect Undead. Okay. But the idea is that he puts on this, you know, black leather plague mask with this weird kind of sickly greenish glass for the eye holes, basically. For the, yeah, the, the lenses, yeah. Yeah, the lenses. Um... And the idea is that it can kind of, he can almost smell the putrescine or cadaverine of rotting flesh and the kind of get a bead on if there's anything within 60 feet of him. Okay. As you put your, your mask on and you gaze through those lenses, you do not detect any undead around you. Good. Good. Okay. Do you think the horses are sick? Is that why you have to put a mask on? Oh, this is, um, this mask will help to eliminate or, or at least assure me that we're not dealing with certain other types of unsavorable things in this world. That's good to know. Yeah, Guy will just walk over to the horses and like to see which ones are uneasy and, and look around there. Yeah, as you are looking at the horses, I mean, uh, I will tell you that out of the four horses, it looks like that the one that is, they're kind of in a, um, in a diamond shape. The horses have been tied up to the to the east of where we were camping, just yes. like 10, 15, like 15, 20 feet. Yes, exactly. And so out of the four horses, the one that's furthest east, or sorry, the one that's furthest west uh, is the one that appears to be uh, to be nervous. Um, as you approach, it looks almost like he's kind of rear, not rearing back, but he's slowly backing up and kind of pulling on the rope. Like he's trying to back away from um, this rock that is nearby. It, it, this is stony ground. So there's lots of these big pine trees and, and fir trees, but there's also these kind of rocks and things that are scattered around uh, in the grass and dirt. Um, and he's trying to pull back away from that that large rock. How tall is this rock? Can I see to the top of it? It's probably about uh, eight or nine feet tall. And I don't see anything prowling around on top of the rock. Why don't you make a perception check? That's a five. Uh, you do not see anything prowling around on the top of the rock. Uh, there's lots of shadow here, and actually, the the campfire is still going. They're they're keeping it going all night long. Uh, the torches are kind of messing with with your vision because of the shadows that are being cast. Magrum, Sylvie, and Ornan, you guys each tell me what you want to do. I think that Sylvie is really kind of nervous around horses. That's not something she spent a lot of time around. Um, so I think she's actually going to be sur- surveying more of like the perimeter around um, and see if she can see anything in that forest area. Okay. Uh, sort of the forest to the north of the side of the road? Right. Like behind where that big rock is. Why don't you make um, a perception check? Come on. Uh, 15. 
you start walking around the backside of that rock and you get into this little bit of a thicket. Um, and as you're looking around, you do have um, dark vision, so you can see uh, in here, but you don't notice anything out of the ordinary as well. Mogram, what are you going to do? Um, Mogram is going to reach into his um, coat and pull out his toning rod, which was the wand that he had hidden earlier. And he's going to cast Detect Magic with the toning rod. You look, uh, you, you cast Detect Magic and you, you can look around and see. I, I imagine, how, how do you think that it works? Does it like, does it like vibrate and sound like, like a vibration off of magical items? Can you see like a color around something? Like how, how does it work for, for Mogra? Yeah, so it is, it's like a tuning fork, but in this case they call it a toning rod in that it, it emits a very, like a vibration and a bit of a lightly audible tone. And when you're attuned and kind of familiar with the use of these, which previous inquisitors would use this for tracking down arcane users, it would help you to both see and identify the type of magic that was present. All right, you um, you notice that um, Prancifal is magic, straight up magic. You can just there's this vibration comes off of Prancifal as he's sniffing around, and then he looks over at you. And completely just magic. magic. It's not yeah. like he's wearing something magic. Completely magic. Interesting. Yeah, you glance over and you see Ornan, and you see that the bag that he wears on his back is magic. Um, you detect magic uh, on. Um, Guy's hands, and you detect magic um, on Sylvie. What is on you again, Sylvie? So I do have like a little tackle box in uh, my bag, yes. Oh, gotcha. It's a little fishing box. Oh, gotcha. That's right. So it's it's kind of tucked away, so I don't think that you can detect magic if it's behind a barrier, right? The spell can penetrate most barriers, but it is blocked by one foot of stone, one inch of common metal, a thin sheet of lead. Oh, okay. So yeah. then, yeah. There's something in, in uh, Sylvia's bag that is also magical that's kind of uh, giving off an aura. I will say also the old book that he has um, on his belt is also magical. And how far does it go? 60 feet? 30 feet. 30 feet. From where you're standing right now, you don't detect any other magic. Um, and Ornan, what are you going to do? Ornan walked around the other side, so he's to the east of the horses, and he's just kind of plopped on a, on a rock, just looking around. Okay. Um, why don't you make a perception check as well, as you're looking around? Ornan got a four. Well, as you guys are investigating around the horses, and as you guys have all been on the lookout for what is causing this discomfort among the horses, especially this one that is furthest to the west, we are going to roll initiative. He gets kicked by a horse. Ooh. <laughs> so now that it matters, uh, I rolled a one. Guillaume of Grant's Harbor rolled a 19. Ornan rolled a 21. Got a nat 20. Nice. Yeah. Mogrim rolled a 19 for a 20. All right. We are going to jump into initiative with Ornan, who is surprised. <gasps> and surprise. we have <laughs> Mogrim, who is surprised. And we have Guy, who is surprised. And now we have On the Rock, right next to the horse. 
blending in expertly with the stone, you see this snake uncurl as it rears up next to the horse. You see it, instead of the face of a snake, you actually see these tentacles fold out and there is a beak, this nasty, vicious, sharp looking beak that is um, right in the center where its face should be. And then it has these four tentacles on, on all sides as it lashes out and attacks that draft horse. As a surprise, it's gonna have advantage on this attack and it is definitely going to hit. And it is going to deal, ooh, nine damage to that first horse. It is now grappled with these tentacles as it then takes a big old bite of this horse. And it is going to miss with the bite. But as this thing strikes and lets out a shriek that wakes up everyone in the camp, you now see all around there are these snake-like creatures with tentacles and beaks that are coming in looking for prey. So it is all of their turns, and now we're going to go from west to east. One of them is going to come after Evangeline Lily. No! And is going to hit and is probably, yep, is going to, with seven damage, latches on to Evangeline Lily and begins dragging her dying body back into the woods. Another one is going after the dwarven man who was lying next to her and is going to actually, I think that's still a hit. That is a hit. And I don't, there's any way that they can't, oh my gosh. And now there is an unconscious dwarven man being dragged as well. You didn't tell us we had to worry about squid snakes. (laughs) Um, Anyone can make a um, nature check uh, if they want to right now to see what they are. I got a 19. They're squid snakes. They are called gricks. You recognize these as gricks. These are uh, about man size. These are naturally occurring, uh, but they're not exactly like animals. They are um, they're more monstrous than an animal would be, and they hunt in packs. And um, looking around at all these gricks that have um, that have come out of the woods, uh, you are glad that you don't see a grick alpha, which would be uh, very much larger and very much more deadly. We have one that is now coming to uh, strike at Sylvie. Sylvie? Don't worry, guys. Just a bunch of betas. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of beta cucks. Uh, does an 18 hit you? Eh, yeah, a little bit. That's seven damage. Ah. And then it's going to attempt a bite. No! And that is going to be a 17. That will do it. That will do it. And that is going to be now two damage. All right. All right. We have another one that's coming towards a, a second horse. It is going to try to attack that horse. Uh, and that is going to hit and deal. Uh, that's going to be eight damage. And that's going to attack again with the beak and is going to hit doing an extra uh, seven damage. And that will be then a total of, I think, 15. One of the horses is looking really, really rough. And then we have another one that's going to come towards the last horse. So the third horse, because there's one further south, that's fine. The third horse, yes, yes. Um, And it's going to attack. Definitely hits. And then see if it hits with its beak, too. Um, It hits with its beak. That's going to be a total of... Total damage is going to be 12 damage to that other horse. Jeez. These horses are getting ripped apart. None of the horses have died, but two people have died already. 
Also, you can't help but notice, Guy, that Kaladin is laying there right next to where a dwarf and Evangeline Lily are getting dragged into the woods. That brings us to Sylvie. Sylvie, I'm sorry, you are surprised for this round, and now we are back up to the top. Surprise condition is over. Ornan, it is your turn. You are way far to the east um, by the horses and by a lot of these gricks. Uh, what are you going to do? Ornan is going to run. Can I run underneath the legs of this horse in front of me? I would think so, yes. Okay. I'm going to run north and uh, just a little bit west, right underneath one of the horses, to one of the, the gricks that are standing there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to um, level my war pick at him and take a swing. Okay. That is a 22 to hit. That will hit. For seven piercing damage. And that will be my turn. Okay. Magram, what are you going to do? You have two horses right next to you that have been injured. Uh, you also see that Sylvie has been hit by one of these gricks. It looks like it has slapped her with some of these tentacles and then bit with its beak. Um, because of the shadows, I'm I can see Sylvie, but I don't I don't have clear sight of the Gricks unless it's this one on the rocks. Yeah, so there is there is a Grick behind that tree. It looks like um, attacking Sylvie. Got it. Well, since it's not immediately in sight, I don't know that Mogram is going to be immediately reacting to that. He's going to whip out his little hand crossbow and yank a small kind of metallic dart and attach it you know throw it into onto the crossbow and launch it at the grick that is just north of me on the other side of this horse and what this is is it's an irradiated hand dart okay so (laughs) uh, it was only an eight to hit that is going to miss darn okay anything else you want to do um. Well, I'd like to have hit. Can I please have hit? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be great. Let me see if there's anything bonus action-wise that I can really do at this moment. Uh, no, I don't think there really is anything at this point. So okay. I think that's all I can do for my turn. Okay. Well, that brings us now to Guy. All right. So seeing so Guy's actually at the angle where I could I can see what happened to the dwarf and Evangeline Lily. And so I'm going to run over to Calden. Uh, to keep him uh, safe from more of these Grick. Is it Grick or Gricks for the plural? I'm going to say Gricks. Okay. Um, and I'm going to, as I as I uh, run over here, I'm going to shout. I'm going to say, everyone up. It's Squid Snakes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> squid I'm Snakes. Going, I'm going to yell so that everybody gets up. And then I'm going to go ahead and throw a dagger at this... Uh, the Grick, the first Grick to attack one of the horses. That's all I can really see from this angle. Okay. That's a natural one. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> level so three my, Level three, one, one action each. Yeah. <laughs> oh. so it, it, goes, it goes wide. It's gone. All right. That's now going to bring us back to the Gricks. Okay. We've got the one attacking the horse again. And that is going to be a miss with the tentacles, which is going to be that that is all it can do. And it is going to actually scurry off the rock down in towards camp, coming closer to Guy, but not quite within your threat range. Um, the next Grick, uh, actually, um, the Gricks carrying Evangeline Lily and the dwarf, they actually drag them off into the woods and out of sight. 
Um, they let out this call. <laughs> I, that's what I imagine they sound like. Yeah, okay. that's about right. That's Squid Snake. That, to- squid yeah, Snake to- 101. <laughs> to- total Squid Snake. Total Squid if Snake. If I heard a Squid Snake, that's what it sounds like. All right. Oh, Sylvia, 21 to hit you. Does that hit you? Yeah, yeah, that'll hit me, dude. Oh my gosh, that's seven damage. I'm not doing well. Oh my gosh. And trying for the beak. Okay, that's only going to be an 11. Does that hit you? Uh, that will not hit me. Okay, oh, so the beak misses you. You're getting clubbed by these tentacles as this Grick is trying to get you. Um, the one other Grick is going to... Uh, sorry, there's two more Gricks to attack. One is going to go for the horse that it's already hit um, before, and it's going to miss this time, um, only with a 10. And then Ornan, the last Grick that is still uh, here on the field, is going to come towards you okay. and try to hit you with a 6 to hit. That will miss. Okay. That is the Grick's turn. We now have uh, the guard who was patrolling the road is going to come rushing in past the horses towards the Grick. Can't quite make it, so she takes her spear and she's going to hurl it at this middle Grick, the one that's been attacking the horse. Uh, That's going to hit. That's a 15 to hit. And that's going to (laughs) deal two damage. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then with her uh, item interaction, she draws a short sword. All right. And then it's going to be Gideon's turn. Gideon, seeing the Grick, because he's over on the west side, um, he sees this Grick that has come down around the rock towards Guy and Calden. He's going to step up just a little bit and pull out a heavy crossbow and take aim at that Grick. And that is going to be... That's going to go wide. It's only going to be a 12 to hit. And then he starts to reload the crossbow. And he starts bellowing out, everybody up, everybody up, under attack. And we are back now to Sylvie at the bottom of the round. Huzzah, Sylvie's going to do something. Um, Okay, so Sylvie is going to uh, cast a thunder wave at the two squid snakes in front of her. Okay. <laughs> um, so they need to make a DC 13 constitution. Constitution. Okay, so one of them got a natural 20, but the other one failed. So the first one, the one that's been attacking you, it succeeded. The uh, second one failed. Rude. Okay. The one that just got speared for two hit points. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the first one gets eight damage, the second one gets 16, and then is pushed back uh, into... Um, who is this? Into Ornan. Nice. Bam. Yeah, it's it. So the second one uh, lets out a shriek and goes flying backwards and, and, and bumps into Ornan. Doesn't knock you down or anything, but uh, gets pushed back. Awesome. And there was a huge, loud thunderclap when that happened, and everybody heard it. And then after, as soon as that happens, I'm going to cast Misty Step, and I am just going to cruise on back, um, back south nearby, like, the horse's behind Malgrim. Okay, perfect. Awesome. All right. And then that brings us, Calden wakes up next to you um, and scrambles to his feet and he is going to draw a dagger and he is going to um, take a step behind you, Guy, and he's going to take the dodge action. Smart. Okay. That brings us now back up to the top. Ornan, it is your turn. There is... Uh, you are surrounded by Gricks now. There is a Grick on your on your right and a Grick on your left. Um, one of them got slammed by some thunder energy that um, that if if Gideon's voice didn't wake everybody up, that thunderclap from Sylvie definitely 
what up. Okay. Ah! These snakes are popping out of everywhere! Ornan is gonna hit the same one that he hit the first time with his war pick again. Okay. Or try to at least. Oh no, Nat one. <laughs> that's oh, we're not getting him out early. Oh man. <laughs> okay. Uh that's my turn. Okay. Alright. Uh that brings us to Magram. This is the sequel to Snakes on a Plane. Snakes Seriously. in a forest. <laughs> Snakes in a caravan. No, I was thinking because because plane is also like a geographical feature, like a forest is. Oh, got it. <laughs> right, right. Sure. I love sure. it. It's perfect. Um, Mogrim is going to uh, take his little hand crossbow, and he's going to kind of turn quickly to Sylvie, where she appeared after Misty stepping, and he'll say, "Sorry about this," and he's going to pump a dart over to her which is like a little plunger um, syringe, and he's using his analgesic and rapid clotting agent dart to heal her for seven healing. Ooh, oh, wow. That's max healing. All right. Wow, that nice. hurts so good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Come on, Magrub, make it hurt so good. <laughs> so he's going to turn around. That was a bonus action, and then he's going to pull out a small little glass capsule and toss this white phosphorus capsule at the Grix that is just to the left of Ornan. Okay. The one that took all the damage from the Thunderclap. Yeah, it'll need to make a DC 13 dex save. That is going to fail. Roll the natural two. And it will take five kind of radiant, radiating damage, maybe. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay. How do we feel? How do we feel about radiant damage? Are we thinking like holy damage, or are we thinking like irradiated or radiation type stuff? I know we've talked a little bit about this in previous episodes. I mean, I always assumed that it was more like holy damage, but Matt did not, and we're twins, no. so I'm surprised you did, <laughs> you didn't think it as that. Well, because there's there's a spell called radiating sickness, and it's basically the nuclear fallout spell. And, and it does radiant damage. You're like, oh, I guess, like, if you have a damage type associated with the sun, then it would be, like, radiation. I guess that makes sense. Cool. Well, yeah, so this is kind of like that. It's like white phosphorus, so it burns and kind of eats into the flesh of the thing and does five radiant damage to it. Perfect. Very cool. Are you going to stay put where you're at? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'll just hang tight. Okay. Awesome. That's going to bring us now to Ghee. All right, so now there's a squid snake right in front of me, uh, and I'll move the five feet up to it with my sword drawn and my shield. I'm realizing now I didn't have a chance to put my armor on, so my AC is very low. Um, but I'll go ahead and take a swing with my bastard sword. That's a, only a 13 to hit. A 13 will barely miss. Dang it. Because it was good damage, too. Ah, uh, okay. And uh, bonus action... Nope, got no bonus actions right now. Okay, uh, that brings us now to the Grix, to the Squid Snakes. All right, we have the one that is now going to start attacking at Ghee. That is going to be with its tentacle attack. Oh, golly, 19 to hit. Oh, definitely, my AC right now is 14. That's going to be 13 damage. That's almost max damage. Oh, my gosh. Holy cow. And then it's going to attempt to bite you with its beak for a 13. Nope, that misses. Okay. That was, oh, that was well over half my hit points. Oh, my gosh. 
Okay, and uh, then we have the Grick that is going to attempt now to get the horse one last time. And it is going to, yep, it's going to hit that horse. And it's going to deal enough. Oh, poor horse. This Grick knocks this horse down. You didn't see poor Evangeline, but poor horse. <laughs> you know what? You but are the horse's right. name was Snowball. There will be other Evangeline lilies. We just need to get to the next tavern and we'll find more NPCs. <laughs> yeah, so this, this, this Grick brings down this horse and then it um, lets out a call and starts trying to tug the horse back. It cannot get very far. Um, it gets about five feet back as it's trying to drag this horse back into the woods. It's um, doing a pizza rat. It's like <laughs> slowly it's, it's, dragging it. It's pizza rat. Okay, Ornan, you have got two Gricks trying to get you. So the Grick on your left is going to try to get you with a seven. That's going to miss. That'll miss. The Grick on your right is going to get a, a nine. That is also Those going to both miss. All right, and that brings us now back to this guard. The guard who threw her spear now runs up with her sword. She's going to attempt to attack it with a short sword and wildly miss with a six. And then Gideon is going to um, crank his crossbow again and take another shot at the Grick that is bothering Guy. That will be, oh my gosh, that's like an eight to hit. That's gonna miss. All right, Sylvie. You are up. You made this fight too hard, Paul. <laughs> I didn't Can you please you fix guys... our dice? <laughs> I didn't expect so many natural ones, but all right. That's on you, dude. Sylvie, you're up. Um, Sylvie is going to take her staff and point at the uh, the one that she had pushed back. And she's going to yell at him, you're at bastard, take this. <laughs> and she's going to shoot him for a 17 to hit. That will hit, yes. All right, and that does a maximum of 12 damage. And that Grick falls down dead. Aha! Yeah! Well, we got, got one. one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's a dead Grick now on the ground. Um, anything else you want to do, Sylvie? Uh, I kind of, she just looks impressed with herself. <laughs> All right, um, it is now Ryla's turn. Ryla is the um, silver-haired carriage driver who was, um, who she was sleeping in this carriage that is right next to where the Grick is attacking, attacking Guy. She stands up and jumps down behind the Grick and she's going to take some attacks. Um, believe it or not, this template for her is a challenge rating one half. She gets three attacks with her short sword. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Can I be an NPC <laughs> I, with a challenge rating of one half? Uh, you know what? That's the, that's the problem with the monster stat blocks. Here we go. Three attacks. Uh, it is looking like she is only going to hit one time. Um, and that is going to be... Oh, maximum damage. Eight damage to the Grick that is attacking Guy. All right. And then last but not least, we have we have Calden. Calden is going to step up next to Guy and kind of reach in and stab at the at the Grick, but not really attempting to stab, more just trying to distract it, giving Guy the help action for his attack next round. Back up to the top, we have Ornan. Ornan, you have a dead Grick to your left and a, a Grick that you have been attacking or trying to attack uh, to your right. I hit him once already. You did? Yeah, you did seven <laughs> damage, yep. Still still seven damage on him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep swinging. Okay. Oh my goodness. Another nat one. Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. Frustrated, he's going to say, 
Let's spin this thing around and try the other side. And he's going to hit with the hammer side of the war pick. And okay. he's going to use spin the shaft. <laughs> okay. And that is a 23 to hit. It, that's the action surge. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And that one did nine damage. All right. Nice. And that will be my turn. Okay, cool. Mogram, you're up. Okay, so Mogram reaches into his pocket and pulls out these two. Um, they look like like push pins, you know, kind of the rounded headed push pins, mm-hmm. except that they're like the size of silver dollars. You know, they're large with kind of a large needle. And he is going to rush up to Ornan and he will, as he's getting there, he'll slam one into his own neck and then he will slam one into um, Ornan's arm. Okay. I'm not sure that man has a medical license. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a Mogram's Neuro Disruptor and Arcane Soulbind. And so while you have this and we're within 60 feet, you get plus one to your AC and all saving throws and resistance to all damage. And you and I share uh, damage. So if you take damage, I also take damage. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And so that will be my turn. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right. That brings us now back to Gee. Gee, you have advantage on your next attack thanks to the help from Kaldan. All right. Okay. So I'm going back at it with a bastard sword. That's a 24 to hit. That will hit for eight damage. Nice. And it's still alive, I bet. It is still alive, but it is definitely bleeding. Okay, and then for my bonus action, I don't have really anything I can do as a bonus action. Yeah, so. level three. I know. Yeah, that's my turn. Okay, awesome. All right, that's going to bring us now to the Gricks. Um, let's see if it... The Grick looks at Calden and Guy and uh, Ryla, and it recognizes that the softest looking one here is actually Calden, and it's going to change its tactic and go try to grab Calden with tentacle strikes. And that is gonna be only an 11, and that is actually going to miss Calden. Calden manages to step aside. And then um, the Grick that is trying to haul the horse lets out a call, uh, trying to get other Gricks to help it, and it manages to pull the horse 10 feet into the woods. And then the other Grick is going to attack at Ornin again for a 23 to hit. Yeah, that'll hit. Okay. And that's going to be a total of 11 damage. Okay. And it's going to try it out because it hit you with its tentacles. It's going to try to bring its beak in really close and try to bite you. And that is going to be a 20 to hit. That will hit as well. And that's going to be six damage. Okay. So 17 total. So all of that would be halved. Oh, oh okay. Yes. Because so, you're resistant. Cool. So 17 halved, so uh, eight? I think eight, right? And that's eight, and okay. then then you split it, so you take four, and then Magrum takes four. Is that how it works? I take the same amount of damage, so he takes eight, I also take eight. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Okay, it just, yeah, so basically it just, it just halves the damage. All right, and that brings us now back to the guard, who is going to step around the dead Grick and try to hit the one that has been hitting um, Ornin. And is going to get, oh yeah, a 22 to hit. That's going to be six damage. That is her turn. And then we have Gideon, who is cranking his crossbow again and going to take another shot. 
maybe hitting this time. And no, a nine to hit this time. <laughs> he's just not good with this crossbow. Um, we but, have, it, but it sounds intimidating while he's winding it. Yes. We have Tobias is awake, and his guard, the other guard, is actually there standing close by, uh, just ready to protect him from any um, any of the Gricks. Uh, but he is going to uh, just stay close to Tobias and not rush towards the Grick. That brings us to Sylvie. All right, Sylvie uh, is going to step up t- north towards everyone else, just kind of clustered around these Gricks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's just going to do another uh, another bolt at the other Grick that's on the other side. Um, and that is a 21 to hit. Yeah, the Grick that's been attacking Ornan, and 21 will hit, yes. And that is 11 damage. 11 damage will definitely do it. This Grick, how does this Grick die? I think the bolt just kind of goes straight into its tentacly little face and its head just kind of pops and gets <sighs> stuff all over Orm's backpack. <laughs> nice. All right, that is another dead Grick. We have one Grick dragging a horse and one Grick trying to get Calvin and Guy. And that is now Ryla's turn. She is going to get her three attacks because monster stat blocks are, are weird. And that is going to be one hit. That is going to deal seven damage. And this Grick is still standing. Jeez. And that brings us to Calden. Calden is going to again kind of dance in and start stabbing with his dagger, trying to get the Grick's uh, attention and give uh, Guy advantage on his strike again. And we are back to the top of the round with Ornan. Ornan, you have two dead Gricks around you. You have a a guard standing in front of you, you have Mogram standing behind you, you have a Grick nearby dragging a dead horse into the woods. Okay. Ornan is going to run up to the Grick dragging the horse, and he's going to take a swing. Okay. A 12 to hit. That will miss. And that's my turn. Okay. Um, Mogram, you are you are also right there, right by where um, where Ornan is. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to pull out another one of those phosphorus capsules and toss it at that Grix that Ornan just ran after. Okay. Um, so it's another DC 13 deck save. And it rolled a 12. Nice. So it will take eight damage off of the exploding of that capsule. Nice. Very cool. The air is being lit up by a big thunderclap and then this white phosphorus light glowing um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Okay. But there's there's magic here and magic is not something Yes. Yeah. There will be repercussions. Yeah. There there could be repercussions. Yes. The um, the deal is, is that um, the Inquisitors of Aeona, they are very strict about who can use magic and what kind of magic is okay. Um, generally speaking, we can talk about this more in a little bit, but divine magic tends to be okay if it's from one of the acceptable deities, um, whereas arcane magic is definitely a, a no-no. Um, all right, Guy, you are up. You have advantage on this strike if you're going to attack at that. Oh, definitely. Again. So this is 16 to hit? That will hit, yes. For six damage. All right, how does this Grick die? Oh, gee. Uh, not soon enough. Um, <laughs> so as uh, Keldon is jabbing, trying to get its attention with 
uh, with his knife and, and kind of moving around. Uh, I see the Grick um, lunge for him, and as it has all four tentacles trying to wrap around him, that gives me a, an in where I can come down hard with my sword and just chop its head off. Nice. Very cool. Well, there is only one Grick left on the battlefield. The two that snatched up your um, your traveling companions, they are gone. Um, the one that's trying to drag the horse that got attacked by Ornan is going to now turn on Ornan and make an attack with a natural 20. Oh my goodness, Ornan. Ow. Oh my gosh. That is going to be, oh my gosh. That is going to be 13 damage. Okay. That is going to be halved to six and six. Okay. So six to you and six to Magram. Okay. This also gets a bite attack with its beak. That is going to be only an eight to hit, so that will miss. Okay. Okay. Don't you fret. I'm quite the sturdy little fella. How dare you call me little? <laughs> the guard <laughs> is going to rush over and try to attack with the uh, with her uh, short sword again and barely hit. And that is going to be two damage again. <laughs> Minimum damage. Is it like a wooden sword or... <laughs> Hey, something's better than nothing. It's one of those foam ones in the toy section of the dollar store. It's a boffer for LARPing. Um, is that what it's called, a boffer? Yeah, it's a boffer. Boffer, yeah. Gideon um, cannot see what's going on because of uh, line of sight with all the trees and everything. Um, he can hear all the, the screaming and all the calling out and the booms and the flashes of light. So he is instead going to move around towards the carriage to see what he can see. And um, he can see now, he can see the last Grick that is still alive off in the woods, but he cannot take a shot. Sylvie, you are up. So Sylvie's gonna step over this dead horse and um, going to poison spray this guy that was trying to drag this horse away. Okay. And uh, that was, well, they need to make a constitution saving throw of 13. Now that's going to fail. All right, so they're going to get one uh, one damage. So take that. <laughs> All right. And now we are at Ryla, who is the other driver of the caravan. Uh, she is going to step up on top of the carriage. And she's going to pull out a dagger from her waistline. And she's going to throw at disadvantage because it's so far away at the Grick that is now attacking Ornan. And that is going to miss. Um, and uh, I guess she'll do that two more times. <laughs> and that is going to miss with the second dagger. And at the third dagger, that is also going to miss. Three daggers going wide out into the night. And that brings us to Calden. Calden is going to turn to Yugi and kind of grab you by the shoulder. She's like, thank you so much. You saved my life. Is it over? And then he's going to start walking um, kind of over towards the fire a little bit more and try to get a good look at see what else is going on, but can't see anything. Sees Tobias and his guard still huddled up by the fire. Um, you see that Tobias actually has drawn a, a thin rapier um, and the guard has his spear and they are looking all around to see if there's anything more coming out of the woods. Back to the top, Ornan. The last Grick is right in front of you. All right. Why don't we hit it with a nat 20, 25 to hit? <laughs> that yeah. will hit. Okay, uh, so for 14 damage. What happens to this last Grick? 
he's using the pick side of the war pick and he slams it into the ground and so the the pick pierces straight through the the head of the creature and it just like impales it into the dirt at at Ornan's feet and then he pulls it up and he's like shaking his his war pick to try and get the creature off but it's stuck really hard and with that we will cue victory music And level up. Woo! Yeah, right? To level five. <laughs> <laughs> to, level, to level five when all of a sudden you don't feel quite so fragile, yes. Um, all right, so here we are. We're in the woods, in the night, in the dark. We have got a dead horse. We have got two wounded horses and a, third, a, a fourth horse, which is actually fine. Uh, no damage to it. You have two traveling companions, uh, a, a dwarven man and a, and a human woman who were dragged off into the night by these Gricks. Um, Guy, you were close enough to see um, that they are more than likely dead already. Just from the first attack, um, they are probably not um, not alive anymore. Um, a couple of you have been hurt, but as you guys kind of reconvene with everybody, uh, Gideon uh, calls eyes like, Everyone, get close, get close, gather in, stay close to the fire. And he starts grabbing um, torches, and he's going to start actually staking torches out all around uh, their little campfire. Um, and then you see that Ryla goes and starts bringing the horses, all three of the still alive ones, um, in closer to the fire as well. Um, start gathering up um, and kind of consolidating everything. You hear Gideon calling out, saying things like, We'll get through this night. I'll make sure that nothing else happens to anyone here. You're not sleeping tonight. We're keeping watch all night long and, and all this kind of thing. What are you guys doing? Guy will come up to the fire as well, and, and he saw Sylvie casting spells. Uh, yes. So the people who saw Sylvie casting spells would be Ornan, Magram, Guy, and the the guard of Tobias. Oh, heck, that guard's still alive too, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And also, you're not sure if Ryla saw you casting spells or not. She is the, the silver-haired uh, uh, wagon driver, carriage driver. Well, there's a lot going on, and it's their word against mine, so <laughs> I'm just going to pretend like it's all good. I got you covered. Watch this. <laughs> um, so Guy will come back and say, I've never, I've never heard of those squid snakes being controlled by a wizard before, but it looked like there was somebody controlling them, casting spells out there. It's amazing that we survived. I think he fled before his uh, snakes fell. And I'm going to attempt to lie and make everybody think that there's a, that there was somebody else casting spells out there. You wanted to make a deception check. That's a nat 20 for a 25. <laughs> oh wow. My God. Yes. <laughs> you know what? Ornan and Magrim are both like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense than it being Sylvie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, everyone's like shaking heads like, like, oh, I've never heard that. That's that's wild. I didn't know that Grix would be controlled by, by, by magic. But I guess I guess it makes sense. Everyone gathering close. I mean, it's it's not it's not likely though. Like a lot of a lot of people who use magic don't control monsters. I just want to make that. No, Ornan just kicks saying. her in the shin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. You guys kind of gather up. Calden uh, is. Um, is just like he is. He is um, staying very close to you, um, Guy. I want everyone to make uh, perception checks. 
or insight. Staying awfully close to Gee, even though I think I'm the one who killed the most uh, boys. Oh, you definitely did. Uh, okay, Gee rolled a 18 in perception. Ornan got a 15. Sylvie got a 14. And Mogram got a 24. Whoa. Uh, 24 insight. Insight. Okay, so um, with... Um, wow, you guys all rolled really well. You know what? You guys all notice this stuff. You notice as you guys are talking about magic and stuff, Gideon's standing there, this broad-shouldered, um, jovial guy. Not jovial right now. Um, he's got his club. He's got his crossbow. He's just kind of nodding, like listening, like very, um, very like all business at this point. You see um, that Tobias and his two guards are, um, as you guys are talking about, like being controlled by magic. You see Tobias, um, who pulls out of his shirt a little pendant and like kisses it and then you can hear him start you can see him start to like look as he's looking around in the woods start to mumble a prayer and you um you're you're not sure what that means but something he's religious in some way um also you see ryla as you guys are talking about magic she kind of looks over at you guys and uh gives you a, a side eye nods to herself and then um gets busy like uh getting the horses in close and tight and you guys with your perceptions i'll say um as you guys are talking about magic magram you see calden step back towards his pack a little bit and kick his bag a little bit nudging something magram you swear he is nudging some some leather bound book deeper into his pack and out of sight mm. and that my friends is where we are going to stop for tonight. Woo! Jeez. It is hard being level three. Oh my God, it's so much <laughs> yeah, work. it really is. Oh man, Level three is rough. Level three is rough, but it's not as rough as level one. Oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs> it could always be worse. You guys survived your first encounter out in the woods. You're here. Now you have the rest of the night and you have two car- uh, carriages, but only three horses to pull them. And you're down two travelers. What is going to happen next time? Anyway, until... Well, no. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm ending it too soon. I got to remind people. Come join our Discord and talk to us about what's going on here um, in Campaign 2 in the um, Chorus of the Forsaken. And um, we are on there. We are talking back with you guys and uh, answering your questions. We are all super excited about this. We also have some artwork for our characters um, that um, some of it you have already seen by now and some of it is still forthcoming. We're really excited about that. Um, Don't forget also to check out our Patreon for some bonus content. Also, if you recall, in our last campaign, we had some random save games where we would have side pieces come and play. Um, Sarah, who played uh, Celeste or Celeste from Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, their podcast recently started Mage Hand High Five. So there are some episodes out. So go support Sarah and listen to their podcast. Anyway, until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time.